Hello and welcome back to Decrypted, a cybersecurity podcast for the everyday American. I'm your friendly neighborhood cyberman, Jacob Besida, and I'm joined by my cyber partner in crime, as always. Dayton Williams, it's so good to be here, Jacob. It's good to be back. And this week, we are going to be talking about the government shutdown and its effect on cybersecurity. Tonight, the North Korean hackers going even further. This was just the latest in a series of leaks. 143 million Americans, one of the largest cyber attacks in this country's history. Estimated losses from these breaches in excess of $20 billion. What do the U.S. government and Windows 98 have in common, Jacob? I, I don't know. They both are prone to shutdowns. Buckle up, non-essential listener, because the decrypted boys are delving deep into the longest government shutdown in U.S. history. We'll be discussing the important role our government plays in protecting our networks and what threat it can pose to national security when that role is momentarily abdicated in this very D.C.-centric episode of Decrypted. On the subject of furloughed workers, Dayton, (laughs) after that terrible joke, It shouldn't come as a surprise that when the government shutters its doors, a lot of public services suffer. Since its beginning in December 2018, the shutdown closed national parks, strained airline travel, and left 800,000 federal workers without pay. The 35-day spanning government shutdown was the result of a political gridlock over appropriations concerning border security. A law called the Anti-Deficiency Act prohibits the government from performing non-essential operations without funding legislation in place. So, if no funding is passed, the government shuts down. The law was designed to dissuade legislators from missing deadlines and appropriation, even though there have been six shutdowns totaling 83 days since 1990. If the past three decades are any indication, shutdowns will continue to be a part of the American system. And so we need to talk about it. Before the shutdown even began, the federal government already struggled with maintaining a steady security baseline. Last May, the White House's Office of Management and Budget released a report finding that 74% of all federal agencies were in urgent need of defense upgrades, and only 25% of agencies stated that they were prepared to thoroughly assess signs of data breaches. With this danger, it is important to understand the impact of an event like a shutdown can have on the nation's security in cyberspace, especially one that lasted over a month. Operating in cyberspace, as we have mentioned in the past, is a constant endeavor, and a break of 35 days can throw a major wrench into government departments and agency security plans. This work is often so important that most cybersecurity specialists work on projects that pose too great a risk to security to simply pause. In these cases, many of the cybersec experts opt to continue working without pay. Side note, working without pay is not sustainable. You think? No, not only does it really impact the morale of the employees tasked with defending our nation's networks— but it could actually be a security risk in itself. The FBI Agents Association reported that many FBI agents hold a security clearance that depends on agents avoiding a large amount of debt. Worsening financial situation can cause some security clearance personnel to lose their clearance. Further, not paying federal workers makes them more vulnerable to financial exploitation. Basically, the idea behind this is that when you're getting a security clearance, they're looking at your ability to be influenced by outside actors. Mm -hmm. If you have any particular history... Um, such as illegal criminal activity or maybe a gambling problem, those could all be valves from which um, an outside actor could be using to push you to disclose sensitive or secret information. So having a large debt would be an avenue that someone might approach to exploit people to get them to reveal secret information in that case. Right, right. 
And it's important to note that any federal agency where you need a security clearance is held to that same standard. Of course. And so if you have 800,000 people all not working, all not receiving two paychecks, that introduce a lot of risk and a lot of um, a lot of a much larger security burden on people that run our government. Sure. I mean, not all of those 800,000 are people that hold security clearances. Of but, course. But yeah, it definitely does put a lot of pressure from a lot of different angles. It makes it much harder to keep track of particular individuals. But um, going forward. Right. So it's important to note that every federal agency is touched in some way by cybersecurity. From NASA to the Department of Agriculture, protecting data and their systems is an expectation for the government. That being said, there are a couple of very important institutions that were especially crippled during the shutdown that have a notable role in our nation's security that we should highlight. So in particular, NIST, or the National Institute for Standards and Technology, was particularly hammered by the shutdown, having lost 85% of their staff to the employee furlough. We actually haven't talked too much about NIST here, mm. but NIST is basically a guiding... It provides a lot of guiding regulations and documents for the foundation of many people's risk management strategies. It's pretty foundational to a lot of modern cybersecurity policy. Um, NIST is worth mentioning because it provides several important services to the country. For one, it provides technical guidance on cyber standards via extensively collected reference materials, many of which were either out of date or unavailable during the shutdown. Across the nation, businesses and other government entities, many of who require NIST guidelines to set their baseline for their security programs, were met with an error message on NIST's reference pages. Thankfully, other important services NIST provides, like the National Vulnerability Database, which compiles software vulnerabilities and mitigation information, as well as NIST's timing infrastructure, which is vital to synchronizing computer clocks, continue to be able to be run. Right. And another institution worth mentioning is the Department of Homeland Security. It was also heavily impacted by the shutdown. In fact, a new division of DHS, CISA, C-I-S-A, was just signed into operation in November and was immediately shuttered for a month in December. CISA is responsible for overseeing our critical infrastructure from cyber threats and witnessed nearly 45% of their staff, or 1,500 people, immediately furloughed after being hired to the fledgling division. Understandably, interrupting a new division's development is particularly stinging to management and worker morale. Another hiccup worthy of note is the rescheduling of DHS's Cybersecurity and Innovation Showcase, which was canceled due to the shutdown and rescheduled to upcoming March. I actually have a friend who was affected by that. They were excited to be going to that, but they had to hold off, so that was quite funny. Yeah. Uh, so just as a side note about CISA, it is sort of like a branch off to say, or possibly some might argue just a renaming of a division within NPPD, which handled the same information, but it's kind of been... I guess, segregated into its own sort of deal. But yes, it, I mean, it's it's in, in its fledgling months of its establishment that's going to obviously affect its ability to operate and do its job as properly. Let's, But we can even look at this from a larger perspective. The shutdown also caused government TLS certificates to expire. If you don't know what a TLS certificate is, they're used to protect federal websites as they can secure communications between their servers and web browsers. When one of these expires, the user will receive a warning that the website is unsafe or it may be entirely inaccessible. More than 130 TLS certificates expired during the shutdown, decreasing the total network security across the government as it stunted encryption between a user's computer and the visited website. Another massive impact the shutdown had remains unseen in the short term, and that is the effect the shutdown will have on federal cyber talent burnout and retention. Cyber, cybersecurity expertise is an in-demand skill set, as we have mentioned in episode 10, Educating a Cyber Workforce, there simply are not enough skilled people to fill the jobs created by the fast-growing field. While serving as a public employee is respected, 
the salary pales in comparison to what private industry can offer. This means that government workers who just suffered missing two paychecks needlessly may be compelled to abandon their government position in favor of a corporate one. A similar pattern was seen and studied within the NSA during the 2013 shutdown. Whether or not this shutdown will match that pattern remains to be seen. Look, the government shutdown undeniably caused a lot of damage to the U.S. government cyber preparedness, situational awareness, and even the employee morale as a whole. That being said, the shutdown was not a total wash. Funnily enough, a report by a security scorecard found that patching security fixes went up and that spear phishing went down. Many cybersecurity professionals still showed up to work, even while unpaid. Operating on a less busy network made patching security problems easier, allowing for more exploits to be fixed. Similarly, the simple fact of having less people working at their computers significantly boosted endpoint security. You can't trick an employee into clicking a malicious link if no one answers the email. I just when I when I say that I just think of the uh, the, the meme picture like you can't get <laughs> can't get hacked if you don't use computer. <laughs> but anyway, additionally, other parts of the government's um, cybersecurity apparatus remained functional. The Department of Defense, the U.S. Cyber Command, and most of the intelligence community were unaffected by the government shutdown as they were already funded. So let's get into a little bit more freeform about, you know, just the overall impact of this as a whole. I actually think your point is quite salient about the effects this has on employee morale, not just on, you know, the disappointment of working or not getting paid, but the idea that this might be, you know, a less secure job and how they might move to the private sector. I think that's a pretty important problem. It's already an issue of having the talent in the government, and it's not great to continuously encourage that and say, well, if we're going to continuously have more shutdowns, you're just going to be facing this. I mean, eventually you do, there is no law requiring that these employees get paid but then in the end they do get paid Mm -hmm. um in all cases they have been but the you know it it sort of you know it makes people on the fence about if they want to work there obviously a lot of people in the federal government they don't work for a sense of money but uh they they do it out of a sense of you know great love of the country they do it for a sense of duty and and wanting to serve so i don't want to downplay that but you know these financial constraints are things that should be taken into consideration we don't want to lose that talent you know in the federal government who already desperately needs it yeah, and I think that there's nothing, uh, there's nothing to be ashamed of for just a better paycheck. You know, I I just think that there's a lot of incentives for anyone pursuing any any avenue to get into the workforce, and having something like that's big, you know, massively public, and it sends a message to people who are going into any public service that at any moment there could be political gridlock over something like, um, you know, security funding or something like, you know. The, this most recent recent political debate mm-hmm. that can just cause you to have to go to work unpaid or to not go to work or get paid at all. There's no guarantee of back pay, like you said. Right. And I think, you know, we've kind of discussed already that a lot of like the intelligence and the military apparatuses that have cybersecurity, they, ten- they continue to function as they're already funded. However, to be- merely view cybersecurity as existing in only those spheres, not thinking about cybersecurity, for instance, in HHS, which is one of the largest, if not the largest departments mm-hmm. of the United States, you know, there's going to be profound implications of them having a lax cybersecurity staff because of the shutdown. They have to deal with like, they have to deal with hospitals all across the United States. They have to deal with a lot of privacy regulations for people's data. Mm-hmm. I mean, to merely think that there was no effect really on cybersecurity when in fact there's much of the cybersecurity that is dealt with in the more civilian sectors of the government it's it's quite staggering of how impactful this is on security. Right. Another thing that, that I want to touch on is that it's going to be very hard to measure the real impact on it something is, like yes. this. Um, one thing that I was just thinking about is like, 
35 days pass, you know, you're, you've been either not working or you've been working without pay and you come back to work and you just have an inbox full of notifications and things you have to check on things you need to look at. Right. And so there's like this, this gap of time where there's a much higher risk of something very bad happening and no one really noticing it. Or if they do notice it, not giving it the same attention. Cause not only are most like federal cyber workers, like, you know, working a whole lot. Now they have to play catch up, which isn't a game you want to have to play in something like this. No, that's very true. I actually attended a, the Senate Committee on Homeland Security and Government Affairs um, right as the shutdown was ending. And one of the you can even see how the shutdown itself was affecting the docket because they were ostensibly supposed to be talking about some other things. Uh, here are some of the bills that they were supposed to be considering at the time. A bill to authorize cyber hunt and incident response teams at the Department of Homeland Security. A bill to authorize the Secretary of Homeland Security to work with Cybersecurity Consortium for training. But when I was there, the main conversation was all about the effect of the shutdown itself on security and the need to make legislation be in place to, I guess, a way of putting it would be to punish Congress. And it was basically Congress saying we need legislation to punish ourselves to stop this from happening mm-hmm. in the future. And nothing got passed in the end, so right. it's basically right. just a waste of time. Uh, what else is new about going to a Senate <laughs> committee? But, um, you know, the, all these things, they get pushed off of the docket within Congress, within departments themselves, because they have to play catch-up through all this time. Mm-hmm. It's, it's, not a, it's not a good thing. Right, right. And I think the, going back to the, the NIST thing, it's not just a, a federal thing. It affects – it's all – everything's connected. Everything's connected. And so NIST being down, you have businesses that aren't up to the most recent security standards, mm-hmm. that they're not up to their most recent SOPs. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, there's research that being done, that's being done or, you know, projects that are being worked on that don't have the resources that they need to be the best they can be. And so there's this multiplying effect across all of American cyberspace that if you have this major player, this this um, – this heavyweight in the federal government stepping back for a little bit, mm-hmm. you have a lot of confusion and there's not a lot of um, precedent to be able to, to know what to do in this kind of situation. So there's confusion and confusion is inefficient. That's fair. One thing I also wanted to talk about, cool. cause this is decrypted after all we're in DC. Mm-hmm. Um, I just wanted to say a few things about the feeling and attitudes in DC during the shutdown. Oh, that's a fair point. I right. think it's a good thing to illustrate actually. Yeah, it was, a. I think, uh, myself and Jacob both know people who are affected by it, and I don't think either of us were personally affected, but being in the environment that we're in, it's kind of hard not to talk about it. It's kind of hard not to see people who are struggling through it. Mm-hmm. Um, one thing that I was really touched, I just want to mention, this isn't exactly cybersecurity related, but I think it's worth mentioning, Sure, is the amount of <laughs> like businesses and like the promotion that was done that like, oh, hey, if you're a furloughed worker and you bring in your government ID, you get a free drink or, you know. You get a free pe- lunch. Yeah, you get a free yeah. lunch or people donating, you know, um, food to the food bank to help out federal workers because mm-hmm. I think it's it's a much larger problem than just um, some bureaucrats who aren't getting paid. These mm-hmm. are also like contractors that are being, that may not be paid. These are people who are like cleaning office spaces that may not be getting paid. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, it really shows that like a lot of people who are government employees are kind of like living paycheck to paycheck, which isn't a good security, isn't a good security practice to have. Yeah, you go to the National Mall and there's trash everywhere because there's nobody there to pick it up. Right. I was traveling, you go through TSA gates, I overheard someone saying, you know, like, yeah, of course I'm going to work. There's no heat in my house right now. Mm. So it was, you know, it was a rough time for these people all around. It's right. security's affected in many ways. Yeah. So I believe to lighten the tone a little bit from this kind of somber, t- this somber episode as a whole, 
Uh, I believe you have a sort of uh, game for us to play at the end here. I do, Jacob. Um, one of the things about the shutdown that really bothers me the most is the terminology that's been that's used. And mm-hmm. this isn't like official legal terminology. It, that this has been like this is just the casual what people use to discuss this kind of mm-hmm. rhetorical terminology. But describing someone's position as essential or unessential. Sure. You definitely <laughs> going to work every morning. Um, you wake up. Uh oh, shut down. Sorry, you're unessential to this office. That's mm-hmm. got to sting. Mm-hmm. You know, to be furloughed and to be sent home or to like not be paid because you're unessential. Yeah. That is is just gotta hurt. Mm-hmm. So we're gonna play a little quiz game. Sure. Um, where we're gonna I'm gonna ask you, I'm gonna lay down some some positions, some things in, in government, and I'm gonna ask you, unessential or essential? Okay. Let's do okay. It. Okay, so uh, you may have some insight to this because you've worked at the Postal Service, mm-hmm. but um, postal workers, during the government shutdown, are postal workers essential or unessential? So when I worked there, I was at the OIG and I was furloughed, but um, I believe postal workers themselves are essential. Are they not? That's true. That's true. The uh, 500,000 or so postal workers yeah. are deemed essential. Also, the uh, I didn't know this, but the USPS is um self-funded like there is a funding mechanism that always makes the postal service funded Mm -hmm. and so in discussions about appropriations postal service doesn't come up so Mm -hmm. um by its very by its very nature most postal workers are not affected by the government shutdown Mm -hmm. or when we have the next one god forbid (laughs) just around the corner (laughs) um of course okay next up um one that was subject to a lot of jokes and, and memes online is the irs are people who work at the irs are they essential or non-essential I get the feeling like there's probably a mix of essential and non-essential, but I'm going to say non-essential, actually. Right. Yeah, you're exactly right. Uh, the mix of non-essential and essential. Yeah. Um, according to uh, some surveys and some studies, like 9% of IRS staff actually were deemed essential and had okay. to work. Yeah. Um, which leaves 93%. Not there. Not there. Not taking uh, your taxes. Yeah, exactly. And so, I, you know, everyone's yeah. saying good times <laughs> right of course <laughs> right before tax season too so that's a very big dis- i think they're working through some backlogs and everything right yeah you know, when um, the shutdown happens all crime is legal because the government doesn't exist yeah exactly, right? yeah, exactly. So you can't pay you don't have to pay your taxes the, that's I, not legally binding please don't of course 93 percent of the irs is not working therefore it's the purge jacob it's, it's the purge <laughs> that's, that's how it works okay uh we're gonna shift gears here a little bit mm-hmm. um military personnel soldiers uh, are they essential or not essential? I would I would be very concerned if it was not essential. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you're correct. Um, the uh, military is is funded during a government shutdown. Okay. Um, there there may be some like you know discussions over appropriations, but generally military military personnel will get paid. Mm. However, some of the services that they may require may not always be right. um 100 guaranteed. Right. Um. So thankfully, if the government shuts down, we're suddenly like prone to invasion or, or prone to like you know some kind of military conflict conflict where we just we're just vulnerable all of our workers are all of our soldiers are at home <laughs> right and also in this particular shutdown they, they had already been appropriated for yes that's so true it that's wasn't true. even a play okay this is a tricky one yeah that's what i thought too right, right this is a tricky one so uh national park staff it's the people who who i get run the, national park right i get the feeling like there are a couple essential personnel vis-a-vis like fire spotter sort of people mm-hmm. um but i would say on a whole uh non-essential okay so this is a, this is a tricky one yeah. this is a little bit complicated so in this shutdown um not only is it the longest right mm-hmm. 
but it was the first shutdown where um, there was special care taken that national parks would stay open. Interesting. So if you think previous shutdowns, you know, there were chains put across like Yosemite and, you know, people were forbidden to go near monuments. Like mm-hmm. they were literally shut down. Um, this time, I think it's, it might have been a PR move. Um, parks were open, mm-hmm. but a lot of staff that run those parks were declared non-essential. So we're talking a lot of people who do the cleaning, mm-hmm. a lot of people, a lot of rangers or people who do concessions as well. Um, non-essential, not paid. Um, so this is like when you're talking about, you know, the national mall being really dirty or like, you know, people finding trash or damage to national parks because they were open, but there was not as much stewardship as there is previously. So yeah, you're, you know, um, essential to a point and also non-essential. So it's a mix. Okay. All right. This is the one that scared me the most. I I, I see the word on it and I look at it. I'm like, I'm really going to be, I get the feeling I'm going to be upset about the answer to this one. Okay. So FDA food inspectors. So these are the people who work with the the food and drug administration who check if certain foods are safe to consume. Right. Yeah. So this is like, you know, Teddy Roosevelt's right. famous uh Pure Food and Drug Act. Yeah. You know, in a government shutdown is your food checked. I I get the feeling I'm going to hear the answer I don't want to hear, but I'm going to say hopefully they're essential. <laughs> no. That's that's <laughs> somehow what I thought. I somehow figured. Yeah, um one of the representatives from the FB- FDA said that um, there was some funding that they had special to mm-hmm. that they would extend it for a week or so. Yeah. Um, but ultimately, they they decided to like only have people inspect food that was like prone to infection or mm-hmm. prone to like contamination. Mm-hmm. So like seafood, cheeses, like dairy products, Rubbing like lettuce, every item on Chipotle. Yeah. And, exactly. Yeah, okay. Exactly. <laughs> Um, this episode is brought to you by Chipotle. Thank you, Chipotle, <laughs> uh, bringing back Ebola to the United States. Um, um, but yeah, so the FDA, not as essential as you would think. Mm-hmm. So, I, I mean, I guess we'll see what the ramifications of that is. You know, maybe there was an E. coli outbreak that could have been present, prevented. So, But no, uh, unessential. So that's very scary. I didn't know that. Definitely not something that's publicized. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. Finally, um, federal corrections employees so these are um people who run federal prisons oh okay well i in a way i've kind of cheated on this one because i did read a story i'm pretty sure some prisons do operate but others don't because i recall reading a story about one prison um uh getting hit by like a hurricane and them having to move all of the prisoners to a prison that was actually operating so i am going to assume essential Mm, yeah that's right um it's it's partial it's kind of both again i think that the truth the one the big um moral or or lesson that i want you to take from this is that it's a mix like Mm -hmm. any or like all the different organizations and agencies and departments that make up the federal government um they're all very much run individually in different ways and so there's like this internal designation on how to operate amid this crisis of no funding yeah it's great for office politics you know when your next door neighbor is essential and you're not, it makes you feel great. Right, right. And so a lot of these um, federal correction officers still worked, but they just didn't get paid. Um, right. So, mm. okay. Yeah. Well done. Not bad, Jacob. Not bad. I hope this gave you a little bit of insight into what it's like for um, you know people who work under government shutdown. And for all of you listeners who aren't from D.C., this can kind of give you uh, kind of an idea of what it's like <laughs> or what it has been like this this last month or so. Um, for all you listeners who come to visit DC, don't do it during government shutdown. It's not a good time. Oh no, not Everything, at all. A lot of things are closed. Um, all right. 
Well, moving forward, we're welcoming you into the season two of Decrypted. Uh, we've been away for a bit on hiatus, uh, improving production quality, and you know, looking for new future guests for this upcoming season. So we're excited to bring you some interesting takes uh, in the coming future. We're hopefully looking at an episode on blockchain and its application to security, and eventually a episode about AI and its potential applications for security. That's a subject near and dear to my heart. Ooh, I'm so excited, Jacob. I am too. All right. Well, be on the lookout for the next episode of Decrypted. And in the meantime, you can always follow us on Twitter. Uh, we're Decrypted Podcast. Or you can you know, tweet about us or ask us questions or, or possibly even suggest episode ideas, if you, especially if you know somebody that we could talk to on the matter. That was it. <laughs> Thank you for listening. Thank you for listening. Decrypted is based upon work supported by the National Science Foundation under grant number 1433425 for the CyberCorps program at the George Washington University. Any opinions, findings, conclusions, or recommendations expressed in this material are those of the speakers and do not necessarily reflect the views of the National Science Foundation.